Greetings, guys, and welcome to episode 33. Uh, this is the 2022 FAQ, not a Christmas show. It's definitely not a Christmas show. My name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and uh, <laughs> festively joining <laughs> me will be... Uh, <laughs> Phil from Arashes Cairns. Festive Phil. Welcome to our not Christmas show. <clears throat> Congratulations, we have survived 2022. Well, it, there's still a bit of time, but yeah. <laughs> what, oh, what, what a year. And listeners, thank you for staying with Two Guys, One Dice Cup through this year. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've banged out episodes, you know, month on month. We've covered lots of different teams and uh, we've seen our uh, figures for our audience grow month on month and that's year on year so you know you guys thank you for wasting your time on us it's really appreciated yeah absolutely i mean we, we when we came into this at the start we we just envisaged uh like appealing to a very small handful of people that we actually knew uh, but over the past, uh, <laughs> the past, and not even everybody we knew either, because uh, we assumed that uh, quite a lot of them wouldn't be bothered listening to us because they have to put up with this in real life as well. Yes, uh, but, exactly. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's actually been pretty nice to have uh, so many people uh, not know us and get on board with uh, listening to the show. So, yeah, we appreciate that sort of shit for sure. Yep. And so in this episode... We are not going to talk about Christmas much or the festive season because it's not a Christmas special. But we are going to talk about the latest FAQ for Blood Bowl that arrived from Games Workshop and some of the highlights and lowlights of that. In myself and Phil are just going to have a wander uh, through our year, talking about different hobby highlights we've had, favourite new models we've spotted, um, if we've had any particular purchases that we're that we're quite proud of, you know, favourite <laughs> games, favourite events, anything sort of new, technique-wise, we've we've come across either painting or hobbying or new skills we've added. Uh, that's the lo- the loose framework. It's a look. Rookie coaches and seasoned listeners to Two Guys One Dice Cup will be aware that I drink. Um, alcohol in every episode, <laughs> so <laughs> so I usually I start off sober and then at some point after about an hour, uh, it might get a bit loose. So I'm going to be drinking especially heavily tonight, um, just because. I mean, like uh, uh, the irony of that is uh, you've got an excuse for uh, going off course and uh, rambling. Uh, I don't drink while we're uh, the only thing I'm drinking is water, and I still forget. <laughs> There we are. <laughs> I, always thought you, I always thought you just encouraged me and sort of followed followed my lead as I as I sort of you know put silly skills no. on players. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least at least everybody gets a a, a month off from us uh, putting them down the wrong direction by giving sprint to a ghoul or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> oh yeah, it was something silly. Yeah, no, don't don't do that. Listeners, that's you know, one piece of advice from 2022 is uh, don't give ghoul sprint. Who knew? Oh, everybody except me, seemingly. But, <clears throat> but right. just yeah. so that we just so that we do have a little bit of blood bowl content, let's have a stab 
uh, the designer's commentary, November 2022. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, to say it came in November 2022, I mean, well, it did come in November 2022, but they left it till the last minute uh, to get through the door. And part of me thinks uh, that was done purely because uh, Blood Bowl community Facebook page had numerous threads throughout November whining and crying about, uh, uh, oh, they've forgotten about it. They're not going to do one. Oh, they, that means that the game's not going to be supported anymore. Uh, the usual shit. Uh, yeah. The usual tiresome shit. Anyway, um, as it winged its way into uh, everybody's um, sort of vision on the on the 31st of November, or 30th of November, or whatever the fuck it was, um, I had a quick peruse through it, and aside from the what I can only imagine are idiot questions from idiots that never needed to be clarified being clarified, uh, there are literally um, four things I think that are worth talking about. Yes, four things. Um, I mean, just to give you an example of the, the sort of bullshit that they've had to clarify. So, if a player with the ball and chain trait performs a block against a teammate as a result of the ball and chain move special action, which coach, coach chooses the result of the block action? Um, I mean, I don't know who's asking these fucking questions, uh, but th that's the reason why this thing's fucking 12 pages long. 12 pages long, long. yep. Anyway, yep. um, I, know, I I know that the listeners are very much aware that I talk a lot about bolt action because I'm passionate about that game. Also, the bolt action FAQ is also littered with um, frequently asked questions and errata, which must be sourced from players and that have never actually bothered to read the rulebook, and I think learn the game second or third hand from other idiots who have never read the rulebook. And so, you know, watching Blood Bowl get to 12 pages of a Rata FAQ because of idiots, just stop asking, read the rule book first. Just read the rule book. Buy the rule book, then yeah. read the rule book. Don't, don't just make up stuff that, you know, because it was in the, you know, the, the 2016 version or whatever weird... Um, PDF version you've downloaded from the internet and you've sort of plugged the gaps in or you've learned it from Fumble, just buy the actual rulebook and read it. Won't be so, like I mean, th there are some circumstances where that is absolutely the case, but there are also some where some very shit wording uh, has led to all sorts of weird connotations by people who are either uh, new to the game, or existing coaches who, for whatever reason, feel that they need to rules lawyer the shit out of uh, any anything to try and find a way to break it. Now, yep. if, I'm sure they enjoy that, but whatever. Anyway, so right, <laughs> so the important ones for me. And change-wise, and that have a quite an impact on on certain sections of the game. Are I think if we start with 
We'll go. We'll go in in numerical order for for where it comes in the thing. So page six of the uh, uh, the uh, which one's this bit? The designer's commentary yeah, um, part. So page six of that. Now this is isn't a big one by any means, but it's an important one uh, because previously, like I mean, I, I I've played goblins before. Would I take a, a pogo? player on a goblin team normally nowadays probably not i don't see the point um but there's two faq parts in here that are kind of linked to the same way um related to the pogo stick so the first one is does a player with the pogo stick trait still suffer the minus one modifier to their agility test when attempting to leap away from a player with the prehensile tail mutation the answer to that is no a player with a pogo stick trait ignores all negative modifiers applied for being marked when attempting to leap. Quite why they needed to kind of break this down into a second uh, question as well is beyond me. But additionally, does a player with the pogo stick trait still suffer the minus two modifier to their agility test when attempting to leap away from a player who uses the diving tackle skill? No, a player with a pogo stick uh, trait ignores all negative modifiers applied for being marked when attempting to leap. So that's quite useful when you, if you're playing as goblins and have taken a pogo stick uh, guy. But it's also quite useful for Slan. Yes. Uh, with them all having pogo stick uh, as one of their skills. Um. So it is a bit of a, a step change there, but I think it's quite a cool one. But they they literally could have reduced the text down to one paragraph rather than having two fucking questions answering the same thing effectively, because the answer is exactly the same. Anyway, so that that's that one. I don't see any point in any of the other ones that are uh, in the thing up until then and after that up until page nine, which is the errata section. Um, and the, the probably probably the biggest one for me is the inducements and petty cash uh, changes. So when we moved from Blood Bowl 2016 to Blood Bowl 2020, uh, that was given a kind of freshening up, which I thought was really cool. You know, like you... You were the underdog, you got the amount of money uh, that uh, came in from your the, the CTV difference between the two teams now, um, and then that meant uh, that you could spend money from your treasury as well uh, to bump that above that. So if you wanted to buy something that was X amount above what the CTV was, you could do that. And then that difference for every 50k additionally on top that you spent, um, the the overdog would get a prayer to Nuffle. That seemed like perfect sense to me. You know, we didn't wasn't game breaking for either either party. Uh, but now they've changed it so that you can't do that anymore. Yeah, that makes it frustrates me to read stuff like that. Because then what's Especially, the point of, what's the point of well, having all this prayers, money? Prayers to Nuffle as well are pointless now. When are you going to use them? You're not going to buy a prayer to Nuffle. They're shit. You know, <laughs> there's like maybe one in there that's actually any good. You know, it's point, they're 
that's pointless, you know? It was all right as an extra thing to have, maybe if somebody'd scummed Morg or uh or Hackflem or something like that as a result of uh having uh not enough in their CTV but were willing to spend their treasury. But I mean there's so many risks around spending money from your treasury, especially if you're in a team that's likely to be uh, the underdog. Because um, if you're playing against a more developed team, there's more chance that they're carrying kill skills, which is, means there's more chance that you're going to lose players at the end uh, during the game, which means there's more chance you're going to have to replace players, which means you need to have some money. So, like, I, I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't get the whole point of changing it. It was working fine as it was. Yep. Uh, so I, the, just, yeah. just, just for clarity, I'll, I'll read out the thing. So it says, replace both sections with the following. If one team has a lower CTV, including the value of any journeyman player, then it will be given petty cash to spend on inducements. To work out how much petty cash a team will receive, follow the steps below in order. The team with the higher CTV gets the opportunity to spend any gold pieces from the treasury to purchase any inducements. The team with the lower CTV then gets an amount of petty cash equal to the, the difference in CTV between the two teams, plus an amount equal to the amount of gold the other team spent from its treasury. And then the team with the lower TV can then spend this petty cash on inducements, though any petty cash not spent is lost. Now, I think... Am I right in saying I might actually be reading the because they they sneak nerfed uh, nerfed or, or changed it as well because they fucked up the 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 way it was written. I'm just double checking. I've written. Uh, I'm reading the right one. Uh, yes. So, I mean, it just means so. Yeah. Like, why? I mm-hmm. don't get it. I don't get the whole point. It's just. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. I just, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck as to why we've uh, they've bothered. I got nothing for you, mate. I'd be interested to hear somebody out there who has an opinion that would say that that was a good move. I just, um. You just don't get it. What you really want to do is, where is the source? What was the cause for this change? Which voice or voices, you know, drove the developers to, to make this adjustment? Who was upset by the previous system? <coughs> yeah, yeah, so that, that, that's it, really. It's, um, it's like understanding what the, the driver for changing these sorts of things is, you know, like I'm all for things being changed if if there's a real good reason for doing it. You know, like we've we've seen some things clarified. Um, ah, yeah. So I I am reading the the kind of there's a slightly updated version uh, that says there's a, a sentence added in the bottom that says they may not spend gold pieces from their treasury. So that's the important. The important uh, part was missing. Mm. It was implied previously, but they have they've ad- they added that sentence in afterwards. Um, so yeah, um, 
if it makes sense. Like I, I don't think at any point the original version of that was broken. You know, like it, it didn't make it. It didn't. It didn't really change the outcome of the game much. Like I don't know if they've looked at feedback from the community, re star players, and just completely missed the point that most of the feedback from the community, re star players, is not based on league play; it's based on tournament play. Mm-hmm. That 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 that's my only kind of um, thought on it is that maybe they've just misinterpreted that. But given that at least some of the people who are involved in designing the game have played tournament football or or what have you, uh, uh, tournament blood bowl rather, uh, like I just I just don't get I don't see how it can be that. So mind completely blown. Why it's been changed like that? Fuck knows. It's it's shit and. Uh, I think we 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 in our league decided just to sack that off and pretend it's not happened. Yep, and keep it as it is. I, I'm not I'm not one for um, uh, for house ruling either. The no, only um, thing that we house ruled up until this point was the mercenaries, uh, which I thought were broken if used the way they're intended to be used. Um, and this is the only other thing that I've I've house ruled. Yeah, look, I you know remember as one of the founding members of the Aberdeen League, our main focus was that we were always going to play the rules as they were written by Games Workshop, so that it was inclusive to new players coming in. They didn't have to mm-hmm. learn learn or unlearn uh, different rules. It was like if it's in a book, it's in a, a spike, or it's in an FAQ. That's how we played it, um, you know, and that. And it's always good to see that that's carried on. But it, yeah, you're absolutely right. If it's if it's if it's reducing fun and enjoyment of the game, then why, why bother with it? Yeah, that's I mean, just... anyway, that's it. We've, I think we've, I think we've, we've ranted about this a, a little bit. Is there what else in the FAQ? What so the next. The next one, and I think this this is a positive one. This, um, and it's FAQing an FAQ. Um, previously, in the May one, um, they changed the outcome of landing in an occupied square for throw teammate, so that if you landed on an opponent opponent's player, it caused uh, it caused a turnover. Um, they have now reversed that decision so that it's only a turnover if your player lands on one of your own players and knocks them down. So Mm. the wording now is uh, replace this section with the following. If after the scatter has been resolved, the thrown player lands in an occupied square, the player occupying the square is knocked down. An armor roll and possible injury roll is made against them, even if they were already prone or stunned. If the player occupying the square is a teammate, then a turnover will be caused. The thrown player will bounce as if they were the ball from the square they land in and will be and will automatically be knocked down upon landing. However, unlike normally when a player is knocked down on uh, during their own team turn, this will not cause a turnover unless the thrown player is holding the ball. 
should the thrown player bounce into another occupied square, the above process is repeated. So the key bits, the if the player occupying the square is a, is a teammate, then a turnover will be caused. That's the key bit. So it doesn't, it, it now yeah. no longer causes a turnover if you nail somebody else's player with it. Because we all used to love the old uh, goblin heat-seeking missile. That's exactly it. That was the fun of a goblin uh, team, is you're winging goblins, when you don't have any other good ideas, to, um, you know, take out enemy players, enemy ball carriers, you know, scatter into a cage and hopefully take out, you know, a couple of the guys in the cage and and not cause a turnover. Uh, Yeah, so so, so that's it, yeah. I think... uh, it was it was gr- always a good like last resort tactic, and the way it had been FAQ'd the last time meant uh, that you could you could no longer do that, you know, mm-hmm. without without being automatically turned over. Uh, so you you used to be able to just kind of launch something at a cage in the hope that one it would either hit the ball carrier and knock the ball loose, or two you would knock over one of the corners of the cage, and then you could blitz uh, in. Yeah. Uh, or what have you? So yeah. we've 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 both played goblins enough to know that. I mean, you you said throwing a goblin as a last resort. No, it fucking isn't. I'd always throw a goblin at somebody just for the comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I. I mean, if we're lack 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 of kind of optimal playing, but yes, <laughs> yeah, for, for the fun for the fun aspect of playing goblins, yes, just throw things at stuff. In a, in a league, yeah. Throw a goblin. Yeah. Throw a goblin, see what happens. They're cheap enough to replace. Especially exactly. if you're a snotling team as well. Throw snotlings all the time. All day, yep. every day. Chuck them. Chuck them real good. So I, I think that that's a good a good reversal of an FAQ. You know, they, they put something out there last time and uh, the community told them they'd made a sow's lug of the whole thing and uh, um, it's been reversed. Hopefully the same will happen with the inducements. What a bag of dicks. Well, if there's anybody at Games Workshop HQ that is involved in this, then and they listen to us, which I think they probably should, you know, for the quality content and bowl, uh, Blood Bowl that we provide, then you should get it sorted. When's the next FAQ due out? April or May it's or May. something? May, May next year, yeah. So, took... so May the 30th, and you're frantically typing, you listen to episode 33, and pay attention to Phil and Al. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's great that they do these uh, designers' commentary things, and it's an easy way to kind of uh, tweak rules where things maybe haven't gone as well as they hoped or new situations have come up or things where they've introduced a brand new team and it's not quite sort of panned out the same way that they thought it was going to. I mean, it's infuriating when you've bought the book and it's instantly out of fucking date, like the League of Votan uh 40k codex that was nerfed before it had even hit hit the shelves. Was um, it? I, I didn't read any of that nonsense. Yes, yeah, that 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 was hilarious. You know, I don't know who was playtesting the fucking thing, uh, giving them feedback and telling them that it was dog shit. Uh, but apparently, it was uh, super broken uh, and um, uh, it needed to be nerfed. 
before it even kind of got out because uh, tournament organizers were banning uh, leagues of OTAN from tournaments um, prior to that nerf happening. Oh, that was before they'd even be- that was before they'd even been re- released. Oh, Warhammer Forty Thousand, you silly game! I know they. Well, well, it's not. It's not really this the game. It's the people who play it. we've both we've both been around long enough to know that uh uh, there are a lot of uh uh 40k gamers who will cry their eyes out about just about anything if it's not struggling with the concept of a female space marine uh it's some sort of cry about an army that's been overpowered or what have you. And everybody knows Games Workshop want people to buy the the new stuff so they make it interesting and possibly a little bit better than some of the other stuff that's out there at the time so that it will sell to competitive players. Everybody knows that. But they're a Bunch of crybabies. <laughs> that is quality, <laughs> quality podcast content for for forty k players. I'm sure. I mean, there are loads of really nice forty k players as well. Have, um, you met, have you met them? Oh, I. I mean, Gordon's okay. Oh, that's different. That's that's different. That's a different forty k player. What additions he playing? Uh. Oh, I don't know. We we haven't picked up forty k. Uh, I think the, the last time we played it was eighth, maybe. Yeah, I think they're on ninth at the moment, and I haven't touched it during ninth at all. I was getting fed up of um, like having to. I was all like, I don't mind depth to games, uh, but when you have to read about four or five different cards to work out what the fuck's going on in yep. one thing. It kind of really defeats the purpose of casual gaming for me. Um, I remember when I was there and we were playing 40k and we every sort of three months or something, you know, we'd manage to get mm. a few of us in a room together and get a couple of games on the go. And before every one of those sessions, there would be some sort of, you know, new document that we would have to read. Like, you know, when the, you know, somebody said it's like all the points costs for your Eldar have changed. Oh, for fuck's sake, really? So I have to rewrite this list again. And that just, like, you know what? If I'm having to relearn a game every three months to have, you know, some laughs with some friends, then, you know, it's not really the game for me anymore. And that's exactly how it's turned out. That's why, I guess, that's a really good thing to point out. You know, for the years that we've been recording this this podcast, we hardly ever, if ever, talk about 40k. No, it's 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 too, it's too convoluted. Yep. Um, like I, like I said, I, I'm more of a casual gamer. I don't really care about meta building lists in well, certainly in 40k and Age of Sigmar. Um, I like to chuck some stuff on a table and just see what happens. I'm I'm not as worried about losing and winning in 40k and Age of Sigmar as I am mm-hmm. in Blood Bowl, maybe. Uh, but Blood Bowl is still a casual game, even when you're playing it competitively. 
because you can churn it out in a couple of hours max and it can still be com uh, competitive. The way that 40k plays nowadays, you'd be lucky if you could get through like three or four rounds in a couple of hours because it's just fucking, it's bloated. It really is. I think it was eighth we were playing um, because it was just after the big relaunch where they did the new Death Guard models and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't played 40k since uh, Rogue Trader at that point. <laughs> so um, I didn't mind 8th. It, it was getting really bloated towards the end of it. But then when 9th came out, I was like, I've, I've read the rule book and I'm like, no, 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 I just don't have time for this. Whereas uh, Age of Sigmar is honestly streamlined. Um, I mean, it does have some some challenges in it as well in terms of remembering what, what what's involved with stuff. But Ross and I had never played it before, and although we forgot some stuff, we managed to crack a game out fairly in a fairly reasonable time for a first game, and had fun doing it. Yep. Um. So yeah, I just uh, I just don't get the love for forty k, yep. and with the whining, the whining community. Um, it just it just saps the enjoyment out of it even further. Reading about it online, I I just can't get the hype behind it as <laughs> because of the every time someone comes out, it's like oh this is shit. It's like people have been screaming and crying out for squats to come back for decades, uh, nearly, um, and they come back. And they're not exactly the same as they'd remembered it being uh, previously, so that instantly means they're shit, and the models are rubbish. Yep. And classic, classic, forty k overreaction to everything. Yep. Anyway, uh, that that kind of we'd we'd kind of drawn a line under the FAQ anyway. The the FAQ is actually not that bad. Yep. Like we said, there's a bunch of a bunch of shit in there. Uh, that people have asked questions about, which I clear I I am struggling to understand what they weren't getting about it. Um, like it's stuff like page thirty three Norse Raider linemen skills and traits add the thick skull trait. Now that was that was quite clearly an oversight in the book. Somebody's made a a, a mistake uh, because in on page thirty three it is the um, dungeon bowl rules uh, for the. Uh, uh, the Norse stuff and like anybody with a, a tiny modicum of common sense would just go in the main rules it says it's got uh, a lot Norse radar lineman's got thick skull you know what I'm not a fucking idiot despite it saying on page 33 that, it do, uh, that that's uh, well that that's not there I really think this means it's supposed to be there so I'll play it like it is Rather than taking up fucking three lines in a twelve-page document with that sort of fucking nonsense. Anyway, the right. one, the one, the one great thing we did achieve there though was we covered the FAQ, both positive, negative, and we just took a massive piss on forty k. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, I, I want to love forty k because, like, the Death Guard stuff's great. I love it. I like playing demons in in stuff. Um, 
I would like to play 40k with my mates, but uh, yeah, there, there, no, anyway. not at the moment. It's all right. Tenth will be out next year, I'm sure. So, um, oh, yeah. uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll stream that back to something playable, and everybody will cry about it. Yep. So, because they'll have to buy new stuff. Yeah, well, no, well, these guys don't uh, don't mind spending thirty or forty quid in a rule book because they literally buy it to uh, give themselves some sort of uh, excuse for whining. I'm sure half of them don't even play that uh, the the army that they're crying about. They, they just they've just bought the codex so that they can know about it, and. Then pick it to pieces. Fuck them. Fucking whiny crybabies. Let's follow a different anyway. path. So let's talk about some good stuff. Let's talk about some good stuff. So let's review our year. <clears throat> Excuse me. I guess. I mean, there's a lot of different paths we can go down, but what was um, from a from a gameplay perspective? Be it sort of tournament or league or you know what was the highlight for you this year just gone was it an event that you went um, to or was it what 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 stands out as you know a magic moment so in terms of um i mean i don't think i've got any one specific one i've i've put a couple of things down um in terms of uh what i thought were were my personal highlights if i was saying like one thing in particular um i think for me um blood bowl 2020 has really clicked for me this year um and i guess that's from being from playing it more regularly on tabletop again you know after the pandemic and stuff like that uh but it's i won my first tournament this year um I've got a like near, I think it's a near seventy percent win rate on in Blood Bowl twenty twenty competitively, somewhere between sixty and seventy at least anyway. Yep, which is significantly better than where I was um, three years ago. You know, you, like is, I, is that tabletop or is that tabletop? That's purely competitive tabletop. Purely tabletop. Okay, that's great. Tournament tabletop. Uh, it's actually it's better than seventy percent if you include the league stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I I'm 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 loving this edition in terms of that. You know, um, as far as um, favorite tournament or favorite event I, I was going to was, uh, I haven't actually been to that many tournaments this year. Um, I'd say UKTC was probably my favourite. Um, you know, like, I, I love team tournaments. Um, I went with a, a really strong squad, in my opinion, and um, uh, three guys that I enjoy spending time with. Um, you know, like, so I, I think it, it was it was a good a good experience again, and one I th thoroughly recommend to any player. Um, I mean, it was close between that and and 
NAF Championships, which is always fun. But I think the team aspect of of UKTC really wins wins for me. Yep. Um. As far as the other thing I noted down here was uh, like favorite game system as well. You know, like I mean, we talk about Blood Bowl all the time because uh, it's a common um, game for for the two of us. But as far as the um, um, the wider sphere of gaming goes, like I I really like Age of Sigmar. Um, every time something new comes out for it, I'm interested. Um, every time I uh, pick up one of the battle tomes for uh, the factions that I've got to read, I enjoy reading it. So that sort of stuff. Uh, but I mean, I still think Blood Bowl is probably my my favourite system at the moment. Mm-hmm. But Age of Sigmar is definitely right up there. I have to say, with Age of Sigmar, their miniature range on the whole is excellent, and it you know a lot of it always catches my eye, especially the the older Warhammer Fantasy armies when they get reimagined, like the Chaos Warriors. Yes. You know, I'm I'm sure I've messaged you and the guys quite a few times when the Chaos Warrior box sets come out. Yes. Because they look kind of the same, but enough different to, to sort of draw me towards them, because I was always a big fan of, you know, the Chaos Wastes and, you know, um, what was it, the, the old campaign, Storm of Chaos campaign? Storm of Chaos, yeah. I was all over that back in the fantasy days. Uh and also what the the night goblins turned into. Yes. Uh, yeah, the gloom spike gets oh, yeah. Both both the miniature ranges for those those factions alone should be you know, draw me in, but and then it always comes down to a time, uh, money system, you know how much could I could I commit to it. But yeah, I I can see exactly where you're coming from. For Age of Sigmar. Yeah. I mean the minute the miniatures just keep getting better as far as I I'm concerned you know like I uh, the the new slaves to darkness stuff which is effectively the kind of vanilla uh, chaos stuff uh, or the non-faction specific chaos stuff um launched their battle box last month mm-hmm. and I was sitting there thinking do I need this do I need it and then I had a proper look at the models, and the new Chaos Chosen models are fantastic. Yeah, yep. you know they've just got like they're so exactly what I would expect the Chaos Chosen models to look like. I mean, the old ones weren't bad, but they weren't like the top end of the quality of the uh, Warhammer Fantasy range because uh, they were still hangovers from then. And like the new stuff, like the new Chaos Knights that are away to come out, uh, the new. Um, Chaos Warriors box set that's a way to come out, and even the I mean the new Chaos uh, Demon Prince as well. Like uh, the kit for that's phenomenal. It's got like um, um, well you can obviously give uh, like the uh, your Slaves to Darkness a mark of chaos if you want. So the the Demon Prince kit has got heads that are specific to the the four uh, Chaos Gods as well as part of the kit, so you can. Give it a Nurgle head, and instantly make it a Nurgle demon prince, rather than having to like kit bash some uh, 
like plague drone head onto a demon prince model or whatever. Um, there's lots of potential in that in that kit as well. You know, it just it just seems so so cool. You know, like the reimagining of like classic heroes and stuff like that. Like when Lord Croak got uh, his uh, glow up uh, for the Seraphon uh, range. You know, like the the old Croak model was pretty cool. You know, the desiccated uh, toad on a uh, floated chair was pretty cool. The new one is like fucking croak on steroids you know the chair is just unreal you know it's it's got like this kind of weird kind of orby floating thing you can just imagine it kind of making some sort of transformer style noises as it uh hovers its way across a battlefield you know it's just that the 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 design and the age of sigmar stuff's been great for me uh the last couple of years yeah i i've been quite envious of um players that get to get to use those miniatures they they all do look really cool and there are there are still some ranges in there uh, that are loaded with uh old really old sculpts you know that like some of the skaven stuff must be about 20 years old you know i think some of the seraphon stuff like the lizard men and the skinks are are old, really old kits now as well you know and uh, some of the beasts of chaos stuff is is really old too. So I, I'm hoping that they'll they'll eventually get round to to doing something with them uh, to give folk stuff to play with. But I mean, just even linked to the Age of Sigma stuff, like the Warhammer Underworlds uh, war bands oh, that you get. Yeah, they're fucking sexy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they are amazing. You know, like um, it just gives you a kind of. I mean, like I I was always kind of intrigued by more time i never played it because i was out with the the hobby at that point but coming back into it it sounds like a game or if, i mean I've, i bought the rule book a wee while back but uh it, it is a game i would would have played without a question uh when it was around and some of the aesthetics for that you can see the seed of that in um the underworld's war bands it's like the Witch Hunters warband for Underworlds, uh, Hexbane's Hunters. I mean, it's great. You know, you've got a big, a big guy with a, let's see, an axe or a hammer. I can't remember off the top of my head. You've got a couple of uh, bull mastiff style dogs. Uh, you've got a guy with a crossbow. Uh, the usual. It's like it's like modern more time. I mean, the game's not anywhere near the same, but. You know, like the, the aesthetic of the, the pieces are exactly what I would want uh, if they reimagined more time. Yeah, I played more time, uh, and I yeah, it it really appealed underworld. Um, it's because of that that connection that you could see straight away. Uh, and again, it was that uh, it was that draw card of you know still playing a game but with a small miniature count, but the miniatures are amazing looking. Yep. Yeah, and and the fact you can use them in Age of Sigmar as well is great. You know, like they're all useful. Uh, well, some some have more use than others, but if you've bought a set of Underworlds uh, uh, guys, you can then download the War Scrolls for them for um, uh, for Age of Sigmar and and use them with whatever faction they're specific to. So you've at least got. You can get some value out of them in another game system if you play them, whether they're any good well, or not, subjective. But yeah, you know, back way back in the day, that was the, the 
great thing about the original version of Necromunda, sharing the same rule set as um, Warhammer 40,000 Second Edition. Yeah. Once once you were, you know, you had a, a great Necromunda gang, you could just put it on the field of battle with a Warhammer 40,000 army and and watch them get killed or or, or be, you know, heroes. Um, I did that quite a few times, yeah. so it was good fun. More times shared a, a a fair amount of um, it did rules with was it sixth? I think it was earlier. Might have been fifth. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, it definitely had um, some commonality rules wise mm. uh, with uh, with one of the editions of Warhammer as well. That was good. I mean, I I missed a lot of uh, of the Warhammer fantasy stuff because I was out of the hobby. Uh, in fact. Although I was in, uh, aware of uh, third edition, uh, I, the only games of Warhammer I ever played were fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I never played anything outside of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm actually like from the way that the miniatures have been designed for Age of Sigmar, and from the the kind of design concepts I've seen for so far for uh, Warhammer: The Old World, uh, which is coming at a date to be determined. Um, I'm really looking forward to Warhammer the Old World as well. Same. That is definitely going to be something we'll talk a lot more about on the on yes. our podcast, for sure. Aye. I will be all over that, like uh, like a tramp on chips. Yep, yeah, we'll be square-basing the shit out of it. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But I suppose so. That that that's a lot of my stuff. I mean, I've I've kind of put that more down at games thing. I do have so in in hobby highlights, I'd included things like paint and and stuff like that. But oh, yeah. we can come back to that. We'll um, talk about that later on. What what were your uh, so similar to me? What were your uh, what was your highlight? Your main highlight? Uh, your favorite event? And what's your favorite game system at the moment? Then I guess. It's, like, it's an easy answer. It's, it's, it's bolt action. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I was doing my prep for this this podcast, I looked back uh, at my tournament year because I, I won the bolt action Scottish Championship. Like a fucking boss. Like a boss. So I was really happy to retain that trophy. When I was, when I was looking back, I attended... Uh, 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 one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I attended seven tournaments this year, all for bolt action. And, you know, I'll discount one of them because it was a, it was a fun one. And it was more, I think it was one where you turned up and the armies were already laid out for you. Uh, it was up in Forford. That was a really good event. I think the the title or the, the style of event is called a World Series event. So you and your opponent turn up to the table and there's two armies on the table and a mission and then you just play it. So, um, you know, so I'll, I'll set that one aside. It was a great event, but for the events where I could pick my own army list, I had a win-draw-loss ratio, or, sorry, win-draw-loss statistics of 19 wins, 4 draws, 4 losses all year. That's pretty damn good. That's absolutely fucking terrifying. Uh, and that includes, you know, the World Team Championships, uh, 
you know, my, my trip down to England for the event in Milton Keynes called Roll Call. I would actually, it's a hard one, it's a hard one to, to pull out, but I'll, I'll say that Roll Call was my favourite event because it was such a, you know, got to travel, Milton Keynes, meh, whatever. But it was something different. It was seven games over two days. So there was a lot of there was a lot of bang for your buck. Uh, so played a lot of bolt action. Uh, met a couple of couple of new people there that I've that I've kept in contact with. And I finished second overall. I had three wins and four draws, which is a crazy set of results. But over seven games I was really I really enjoyed that. <coughs> a favourite game competitive game of bolt action was at the uh, the Scottish Open and it was the, the only game I lost that weekend against a guy called Paul Wickens and you know he's the Welsh captain and he's an excellent player and he's a really good bloke and we knew that the mission favoured him just because of the style of army that he had and what I had the table favoured him and some of the early dice rolls for deployment and stuff all favoured him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I never gave up. I had this really sort of strong mental attitude that I was going to pull some sort of result out of the game. And um, and not sort of lie down and just take it as, as a lot of players would, would have. And, um, you know, Paul himself at one point when one of the TOs walked past said, It'll all be over in about 15 minutes. And he was right. At that point, it could have all been over in 15 minutes. I had sort of decided that I was going to make... I was going to make smart, cautious plays. I wasn't going to throw things, you know, just to, you know, take your sort of high-risk, high-reward chances. I was playing really cautiously. Mm -hmm. And really thinking about the game and not sort of just going, nah, I've lost, nah, I've lost. Uh, and so in the end, you know, when I overheard Paul describing the game to somebody else and he said it was like it was like two heavyweights just slugging away at each other. Both of them are landing both both players are landing blows on each other, but nobody's backing down and nobody's getting knocked out and it was just and that's how it was. We were just taking chunks out of each other. Nobody was giving up. And and look, in the end he did win. But it wasn't you know, a, a landslide victory. It was, it was a sort of, you know, I just, just got it over the line sort of thing. And I still picked up some bonus points from the game, which, uh, which is what kept me in contention. And I, I finished second at that event as well. Um, so that was definitely my favourite game, um, even though it was a loss, because I, I learned more about, you know, what I'm capable of as a player, uh, a competitive player. Um, I think you touched on something in there that's that's really important uh, when you're sort of taking the next the, the next step from being a like a a competent player to being a good player, uh, and that is understanding what you need to do in the situation to leverage y- your. Um, a positive result for yep. you, or at least to keep you in the game, without doing just chucking random shit at it and hoping something sticks, which is 
which is what what you tend to do when you're just a competent player and things are going wrong is just oh fuck what what am I supposed to do now um I, I need to uh, cage dive or, or what have you and that and, and that's not necessarily the right thing to do you know so you're I think you and I have probably both reached that area in our respective game systems that we're playing regularly yeah. now where we're not doing the crazy stuff just for the sake of it no, it, you, uh, you, you don't instantly go to throw goblin you know throw teammates straight away no you you know set set up some of your defense take some you know safe blocks do do your sort of you know bread and butter things to um you know safeguard yourself before you try something a bit risky uh yeah you know don't because I guess we're talking about the, you know, making the safe plays, the cautious plays, and being patient. If your opponent, you've got to think as well. What's your opponent thinking? You know, if they they know, if they're competent as well, they'll know that they're in the driving seat. And so, at some point, they may overstretch themselves and leave a gap open. When you've got to still have a team or an army ready to take advantage of that. And, you know, I think back to that game against Paul, there were a few moments where he he didn't overreach, but there were some units left in sort of non-optimal positions that he never had any power over just because of the way the battle was unfolding. And that's what gave me, yeah. you know, the ability to hit back and to send him sort of reeling back from a, you know, a decisive blow. Uh, you know, so it's, it's important to... To really think about your game, and if that's if you want to take it, I've always described it. You know, how do you go from being good to being great, good to great? What's that leap? Yes, and it's a very small percentage, but it's a really hard one to get. Um, you know, there's it is a mindset. It's a, it's definitely a mindset. Yeah, you know, there's 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 so many good players in Blood Bowl and Bowl action that I play against regularly and meet regularly, but at some point. You know, and that's fuck. If it sounds arrogant, it's arrogant. But you know, nineteen wins, four draws, four losses. With uh, within that, there are two outright tournament wins. Uh, there's um, two second places, and you know the there's there's one fifth place in there. But I was on the top table for the win. And I lost that one. That was in Winter War. That was the last event of the year for Scotland. So I was there. I was there at the death of it. The World Team Championship. I was on, you know, four wins and two losses. I finished 12th overall on the individual standings out of 48 players. Um, But there was a silly, well, it's not a silly thing, but there was a I don't know if I should mention it. Oh, fuck, I'll mention it on the podcast. Who cares? There was a poll done uh, by all the captains and we got to rate all the players that were there at the event. I'm, I'm, I won't go into the, the finer details of it, but I was ranked seventh out of all the players in attendance at the WTC, which I thought was uh-huh. that was that was pretty special to see that. And that was the opinion of, yeah, of all of all the other captains. Um, so, yeah, that was 
know, Roll Call was my favourite event to attend. And that game against Paul Wickens was my favourite game of the year. Um, that, covers, that covers the questions that we were asking ourselves there, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty, pretty much, yeah. Um, I think... Uh, I think I think we've both kind of pushed on games wise this year. You know, like you were saying there, you, you, your performance has been pretty phenomenal um, this year. I, I just had a quick look at my stats there um, as well. I played fifteen games competitively. I like at tournaments, mm-hmm. which is quite a, a bit, a fair bit, yet yeah, less than I'd normally play, but still, it's a decent sample set. Uh, One ten. Drew two, lost three. Um, so it's like a seventy-three percent win rate. Um, and one tournament was a tournament win, uh, and I was in the top twenty-five percent for both uh, NAF championships and uh, UKTC individually as well. So, yeah, I think I think both of us have had a pretty good year. I'm hoping for to improve upon that and i know i'm not like um i know i'm not up there with the kind of the 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 great bullet bowl players um by any stretch and i've got loads to learn still uh but i do really feel like i've kind of hit hit my stride recently for sure yeah for me i guess we've actually just sort of wondered on to what we're looking forward to next year do you want to do you want to keep going down that path um, well, I th- maybe we should kind of save that till the end okay. um, as a kind of thing. We've still got, as, as, as far as stuff to discuss goes, we've still got um, the kind of more painting side of the hobby. Um, what I, and I'd popped in there what, favorite, what my favourite model of the year was and what my favourite purchase of the year was as well. Um, well, do you want to talk? So do you want to talk, maybe talk about those ones first and then? I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do the hobby part as that then. I'm, I'm um, happy to <laughs> happy to talk about painting to keep on the sort of rant I've got because again, looking at that that, that event list, so one, two, three, four, five, six. So the six events I attended with my own armies. Uh, there were four best painted awards in there. Or That's great. My bolt expenditures, really and uh, one of them was the World Team Championship. My Soviets. Um. Oh, look. Yes, that was that was the highlight because that was the goal for them in the Soviet Army or the WTC in Ireland. That was the, the driver to get them done to win that award. But it's also really odd in a bittersweet way that. You know, that was the second year I've won it, and I was really proud, but there's no trophy for it. No, that sounds really arrogant again, but, you know, I, I got a nice big box of paints, which I'm sure I've moaned about at some point in the past, because why do you give a good painter a box of paints when we own every colour of paint there is? Mm. Um, no trophy, no certificate, I just, I know that I won it, which is maybe enough, but I think that's... It's maybe enough, but yeah, I guess it is. It is nice to get a trophy for stuff, though. You know, like if you've won something, even a, even like you said, even a certificate's 
probably like the bare minimum I'd expect if I've won something. Yeah, just a tangible thing to acknowledge. And yes, the paint, the paint, the paint set is is a bit of a weird one, but yeah. But it's especially if it's not a range that you use at all. Look, it is, it is what it is. But my favourite hobby thing I did this year, and I still hate myself for doing it, was my display tray for the Tank Wars event in Aberdeen. <laughs> yes. Because that was also a, a best painted award. And it was nice to rediscover an aspect of the hobby that I um, I haven't done in, in I actually haven't done since about 2011, which was sort of terrain, you know, driven, uh, make make something that wasn't a miniature, you know, making some terrain and making a display board. Yes. Something that wasn't a toy soldier. Uh, I haven't done anything like that since 2011. So to to do that and to to know that that I had the vision. And the skills were all still there, and they just all came back to the forefront. And as I'm gluing the little patches of grass on, and I'm, you know, putting the the clear plastic in to represent the the broken, frozen ice that the tanks are driving on, and I'm chuckling at myself, and then I'm, you know, hating myself for doing it, and then I'm loving it because it looks great, but then hating myself a little bit more again because display trays are a bunch of wank. Uh, but. Uh, I loved it. I've got it in my cabinet with with some of the, my German army on it, and I get to look at it every night when I come into my hobby room, and I love it. So I'd like to thank the guys in Aberdeen for writing that into their player pack because it drove me back to um, you know a really cool aspect of the hobby that I think I've I've didn't realise I missed it until I was doing it again. It was good. I liked it. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm gonna do more. <laughs> I'm gonna do more. Gonna do more display trays. If I um, oh if I am on form, I will get two display trays done next year. That's filthy. I know it's brilliant. Can't wait. I know exactly what they're gonna be. But that's maybe <laughs> that's maybe a discussion um, discussion for the future. Over yourself though. Hobby-wise, yeah. what's your... What are you proud of? Painting-wise, it's been a bit... It's been an odd year, but I've... Like, I think when we, when we discussed what we might talk about this for uh, for this section, um, like, I think you mentioned, like, techniques and stuff like that we'd kind of uh, been learning and stuff. And I feel like this year's been, a like, a, a big one for me in terms of trying new stuff out. Um, like I've done, I've done loads of different things over the last uh, last twelve months. Like I'd never picked picked up oil paints, done anything with oil paints before this year, um, and I've given that a, a bash and had some successes, some not so good uh, successes, but still uh, successful. Um, I've really pushed myself on uh, trying to improve freehand. Uh, this year, and that was something I'd I'd never done pa- uh, past uh, maybe freehanding a number on on a Blood Bowl player. You know, like uh, this uh, this year was really the the year for kind of pushing that uh, for me. And uh, I gave OSL um, 
object source light in a bash as well. So I mean, I've done, I've picked up three skills. Well, I suppose non-metallic metal as well. Um, I've done a a lot more of that this year. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've 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 picked up maybe three or four skills that I never really kind of put much effort into, or just or even thought about using uh, previously. Uh, so I've, I've really pushed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've maybe not painted as much as I would have liked um, this year because I've been busier at work than I, I would have liked to have been. Uh, but um, yeah, I, as far as that goes, you know, like I haven't entered any best painted competitions uh, in the past 12 months. So uh, that's something. That's something that I would like to kind of achieve at some point as a best painted, but you know I'm not I'm not so not, not totally kind of fussed about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've I've enjoyed painting the things that I've I've had uh, I've uh, had on my table this year. Um, so yeah, I on that side of things, yeah, I think I've I've learned quite a lot and tried out a lot of stuff. So it's been a productive year. I suppose the only real new skill I have taken on board is a bit more to do with the vehicle weathering, and that was all sort of courtesy of yeah. the um, McKimenez uh, range of you know paints and paints and potions, as I call them. But it's all oil based and you know stuff like that. That's that's the only sort of real real thing I've done in terms of new new skills and it's something I'm I'm very much aware of watching your growth and and your growth's based upon the sort of the variety of things that you have painted this year. Whereas I've been very sort of tunnel visioned on, you know, bolt action things, a couple of Blood Bowl teams. There's nothing that's really asked more of me. Um, and that's something I think I might need to address in the future from for my own sort of uh Sanity, maybe. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been kind of like the, the previous year. I'd very much been staying within my comfort zone of painting kind of more the the grim, darky kind of Nurgle stuff, and and that was about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've definitely kind of pushed out of that and tried some stuff that I wouldn't normally have done, and just painted some things I wouldn't normally have painted either. Um, which has been great, you know, but yeah, I think uh, it's easy to kind of, especially when you're just playing one thing, really, it's easy to just kind of, kind of tunnel down that that one route. And there is, there are ways you can, like, playing different armies, obviously, sort of affect that to a, a degree, but the game like Bolt Action, I guess, um, it is a fairly limited colour palette. Very much so. So you, you aren't like using any out there colours. Um the the degree of difference is maybe based around the uh the, the, the theatre of war that your particular army is styled to be playing in. Mm-hmm. Um and then I guess in terms of um your techniques around that, yeah, the weathering one's probably the biggest one yep. uh, to get 
on board with because I mean you don't I don't know I I mean I don't look at bolt action stuff outside of yours really uh, but I'm guessing people don't go down the NMM route very often hardly um, hardly ever I've very very rarely seen it just because it would look so out of place and it hyper yeah. hyper realism is the goal you know you want it to look as though it, it yeah. was you know 1943 April the 5th on the Eastern Front. It was a muddy day. That's my tank, and that's what it looks like. And I'm, and I'm, yes. and I'm okay with yeah. that. So you can... But what? Well, it, it absolutely <coughs> works for the game. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it needs to because it's, uh, it's historical. You know, I mean, I guess there is the, uh, the old, uh, uh, Grognard kind of, um, Oh well, that isn't the particular uniform that that particular uh, group of uh, of uh, soldiers would have worn on that particular day in 1943. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but at the same at this by the same token, uh, like not everybody in bolt actions like that. I'm assuming no. so. There is a degree of flexibility for most people. But with the the vehicle weathering, it was. Uh... A weakness that I'd highlighted for myself, and that I knew I could paint infantry really well, and it dates back until God. It might have actually been two thousand, really early in two thousand nineteen. There was an event called um, Cambridge Too Far. It was just a one-day bolt action event in Cambridge, but there was a hundred players at it, and. Um, you know, I went there with a, a squad of guys from Scotland just because the draw card, you know, it's a it's a hundred people event. It's like absolutely you want to get involved in that. And I won the best painted award on the day. I, and it was so close. Like I, I saw the other armies that were involved and you know, they were so good. They were really good. Um, but I won the award. Went up, got my prize, got my trophy, took the applause, went back, and I was just, I was quite happy with myself. And then it was the judge came over to congratulate me himself. And for the life of me, I cannot remember his name now. Um, but he talked to me about why I won. And I won because he said that my infantry were, were, were so much better than, than the other entries. But the other entries, their vehicles were, you know, marginally better than what I had produced uh, and his feedback was his feedback was absolutely accurate I remember looking you know, at, at some of my the opposition, their their trucks and their tanks were just, I'm looking at them as like yeah, these are good, these are really good they were, they were more in line with a, um, not somebody that plays for, you know, a scale modelers model you know that they would make up to put in a little museum or something. They were, you know, they were really well detailed and weathered. But then I remember looking at their infantry, and you know they they hadn't painted the eyes. It was always the first thing I looked for. Did you bother painting the eyes? No, oh, don't really care then, do you? Um, whereas for me, my guys have got you know the you put the black in, then you put the whites of the eye, then you put the black in, then you put a little light dot for a light flare. And then with the Soviet army, um, all my guys have got eye colour, and this is on 28mm miniatures. Fuck, what a loser. Yeah. yeah. Nerd. Um, 
So I knew I had to get attention to detail to infantry. I needed to do something more with my vehicles. So I needed I needed a new skill. And that's what I did. Yeah, no, I think it, it's uh, evident in the stuff that you've been putting out this year mm-hmm. that uh, you've kind of cracked it. You know, I, I remember, I, mean, I don't think it's limited to this year, though. I'm sure you, your um, winter um, Soviets. Under Germans. You know, were the kind of uh, fro- uh, Germans, that's it, sorry. Uh, with the frost uh, kind of. Not frost. It's like the I'm trying. I can't, I can't the, really explain it. You know what I mean, it's though. It's the salt masking. Yes, technique. yes, that's the one. Yeah. Well, it was. Yeah, it, they work quite nicely as it well. Was it? But it was that winter German army that won me the best painted award at that event, and that was the thing that I had. I'd learned a new skill to do these these tanks from a winter Germans, and then I saw other people's tanks, and there was like, oh yeah, they're. They've got some skills that I don't have, um, you know. So they're still good, but sometimes when they come up against, well, if I had to take one of my German tanks and put it against one of my Soviet tanks that I painted this year, the Soviet tank would win hands down because there's yes. just more work done. But I mean, that's that's the attention to detail around stuff like the little rust trails mm. and um, like soot and uh, oil damage, yeah. uh, st- and even even just stuff in the uh, tracks and um, t- uh, tire treads and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I think yeah, you've you've kind of jumped jumped the the game up that way. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's been really it's been really cool looking at these things. Not not my kind of bag in terms of the sort of thing I would play, but uh, can still appreciate something that's spectacularly well painted. Yeah, yeah. good. What's your what's your favourite model been this year? Like, if you were to pick one thing that, that's been released this year that you've seen, um, this was a really what, what, what is it for you? This is a really hard one. So I had to really think about, you know, my first reactions when I saw when I've seen miniatures, and mm-hmm. The only time I've looked, I've seen a miniature come out and I've just went, I must have this model. It was the Warlord Games um, event limited edition German sniper based upon the Ed Harris character from Enemy at the Gates. Yes. When when I saw that model come up and it said that it was only available at Warlord sponsored events. I, I just, I'm like, I need that model. I need that guy. And the first opportunity I got to get one, I was at the Scottish Open, and I finished second. And this is this is where I really got to grasp how much I wanted it. It's, it's a single model. It's a, it's, it's one twenty-eight millimeter soldier in a blister pack. And, excuse me, the... The way that a lot of bolt action events work is they've got the prize table. And so first place gets called up and they get to pick from the table and they get to pick whatever they want. And then second place and third place and fourth place. Um, on that prize table, there were two, as as of yet, unreleased box sets um, of A Gentleman's War, it was called. And it's basically the new sort of um, starter set for bolt action. 
and they do lots of different starter sets for different different parts of the war. And this one was um, North Africa, and it was a Brit- it's it's a British Eighth Army army and a German Africa Corps army. A mm-hmm. in a in a box, there was two of them. And the first player that went up was Paul Wickens. He he ended up winning the event. He picked one, and so I went up, and there was the other one sitting there. And they, I think their value is like eighty to a hundred pounds. But you know, there's like fifty or sixty miniatures plus tanks and stuff in there. And I saw it, and my hand was twitching. And then I looked down, and I saw the exclusive miniature. I saw the Ed Harris model. I'm like, I came here for that. Mm-hmm. I'm taking that. And I picked it up sat back down and the guy that I sat was sitting next to me, he's like, fucking hell Ali, I, I must have taken some restraint, and I just looked at him and was like you know what, if I'd have picked that box set it would have just been greed whereas I, want, I yeah. wanted this, this is what I wanted um, and he's sitting in the painting queue right now, because he'll get painted for my winter German, so he'll just blend straight in you know, I, I know he's an exclusive model, I'm not I'm not going to keep them for, you know, to sell or anything like that. I, I want them to paint them to use them. Um, but yeah, he was... Whoever sculpted him at Warlord Games, good job. You got it. You nailed it. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that one. I think you sent me a, a, an image of yep. it uh, back when uh, it came out. Yep. Uh, and yes, it really, really encapsulates uh, yep. uh, that particular character yep. um, really well. What about you? What what was? So I I had a I found this one particularly difficult for and I sat flicking through um, numerous bits and pieces and looked at the uh, you know the um, how Games Workshop do their model of the year and uh, folk get to vote on it and stuff like that. I had a look through that and like initially I was like oh fuck's sake like like. There's been so much, so much good stuff, and then I, then I, I, f- I randomly kind of uh, was putting some stuff away in one of my cupboards today, and I knocked knocked down a couple of boxes from the top, and right on the top of it was one model, and it is the Azrak, the the Annihilator, uh, the uh, one of the Warhammer Plus models from this year uh it's the world eaters terminator guy yep and it is just so detailed i never for such a i never realized you had one of them small model i i I got it because i mean i don't i don't like i don't i don't play world eaters um i never will uh but i remember that original artwork uh, and the model has nailed it spot on. It's it's a wonderful model, and I will paint it despite me not uh, um, having any World Eater stuff or any intention to buy any World Eater stuff. Uh, I just thought it was a. I just think it's great. Yeah, to transfer Perfect. that artwork into a miniature was, yeah, that was that was good, good, good delivery. Yeah. It 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 was a it. I mean, I I've bought the the other uh, Warhammer Plus model both times as well. You know how you get a choice of two, and then you get one for free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you pay you can pay like twenty six quid or whatever for the the other one. So I've I've, I've ended up getting both both times, but um, it was a no brainer when I saw which ones were up for this year and saw that one. It was like I'm definitely getting even if I have to choose one, that is the one I'm getting. Um, I of course bought the other one, but yes, uh, yeah, fantastic model, love it. Um, what's the other thing I've got in there? Oh, favorite purchase. Oh, this... So that's slightly different because I mean, it it doesn't have to be a new model, uh, which is will be evident from my one in a moment. But what about you? Well, this was a really lean year, wasn't it? I remember there was for you, yeah. There was a great there was a great <laughs> many months when I didn't actually um didn't actually spend any money. So what was what was my favourite purchase? Fuck me, I don't think I've got one. There's nothing that leaps out at me that I'm that I was really happy to have bought this year. Um that's kinda of, that's kinda of piss weak, but that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I get that because I, I know you haven't, uh, you know, you haven't spent that much um, over the year. So, what about the um, MDF <gasps> oh! uh, scenery that you got? You bitch! You're absolutely right. Well spotted. Thank you. That w- I feel better now that I do have a favourite thing because that because <laughs> you're absolutely right. I forgot about that stuff. It was. Um, from MicroArt Studio, their uh, Normandy um, World War Two petrol station thing. Oh, yeah. Look, in terms of a new company that I've that I've engaged with for sort of sponsorship and and for spending some money on. It was yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. I'm so happy that I did have something to feel good about spending money on. Um, it was a really great product, and I've I've managed to get it on a gaming table. At an event, and it looked really nice. And I actually got to play on that same table. Um, got to enjoy the the scenery and how you know good it looked. It's it's you know having it already pre-printed with with color, and it doesn't look super nasty. That no, very good. Yeah, and and it's and it's a premium product in terms of scenery. You know, you can pick up MDF buildings for you know. Bought a whole bunch of them in the past from a guy called John Banks on Facebook. He does a lot of 28mm and 20mm MDF scenery, and you can pick up you know whole airfield sets for you know 18 pounds. You know there's yeah you know, there's radar dishes, control towers. There's a couple of hangars, little bunkers, and it's all good stuff but it's just it's the raw mdf it's you know got the nice laser burn on it you can put it together and play with it and it's good quality whereas yeah this stuff from poland it's got the exterior and the interior colored um you know but a full set costs you like 100 pounds but a full table's worth but in my opinion worth it absolutely worth it I'll do it again next year. If... Yeah, I've always, yeah, I've always had a bot, uh, a bit of uh, like, like a blocker when it comes to um, the MDF stuff. You know, like not not like I, I I hate it or anything like that, 
but I think it might be largely down to the the reason that you uh, you stated uh, the, the the wider difference between this stuff mm -hmm. and the, the kind of cheaper end of the market is. I mean, I'm not adverse to painting stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I'll paint uh, scenery, uh, but it's generally down at the bottom end of my list of things to do. Um, I could stomach having unpainted scenery on a uh, like a, a a tray or what have you um, uh, of stuff to play with, but um, I I think the, the the painted stuff I have I have had a quick look at the the micro art stuff, and it does look pretty good. Have you seen for what it is? You know, have you seen? In the past month, if you haven't looked in the past month, but they've got a new range coming out, which is, um, I think it's targeted at Infinity, the Infinity game. Yes, I'm just, that's what I'm looking at right oh, now, actually, the Infinity oh, stuff. It's just absolute um, fucking filthy, sexy, neon punk. Oh, they, they should make a killing on that. They should make an absolute I mean, killing it, on that. It would be, well... If the, they'll be, uh, they'd be unlucky if they didn't, because it it screams stuff like Stargrave mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well. You know, like uh, Infinity seems to be reasonably big uh, in certain uh, quarters, but um, like Stargrave's uh, great for just being able to mix and match all sorts of shit. But like all these things look uh, perfect for that. You know, yep. they look perfect for Necromunda and stuff as well. You know, if you were. Oh, I more inclined clean, to buy stuff clean, uh, that's already painted. A clean version of Necromunda. Nice, you know, broken pipes and, ah, but and the, oil. And... The beauty of these is it, you, you can go in and weather the crap out of them as well if you want. You know, it's uh, you've just removed the, the one step uh, that, that takes the time, you know, which is priming and base coating and all that sort of stuff. And they, they look fine without it. But yeah, I think, uh, no, they're, they're nice. They're nice kits. For what they are. What's your purchase, mate? You've 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 obviously got one clearly in mind. Um, I mean, I was going to cop out and just say all the chaos dwarf stuff that I've bought uh, this year. Um, but I think if I was going to nail it down to to one specific thing, um, there was a like there was a part of me that wanted to buy a chaos dwarf juggernaut. Uh, which for, for for folk who aren't overly aware was like a it's like a four inch tall siege tower with a cannon in the front of it that's pushed by a boar centaur that was av available for a very short period of time uh, around about third edition and never had any official rules. Um, it was just a one of these miniatures that they did, um, and it looks ridiculous, but it was cool. But I'd never managed to kind of cop on to one for. I mean, I couldn't. You can see them on eBay regularly, sitting at four to five hundred pounds easily. Uh, they don't sell for that. Um, but the cheapest I'd, I'd ever seen one go for on eBay was about two hundred. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I had a. I was having a chat after buying the. And what was it? I think it might have been the uh, Whirlwind, the Chaos Dwarf Whirlwind on Instagram with a couple of guys who are part of the Chaos Dwarves online community. 
um and uh one of the guys um gave me um a, uh, he dropped me a message saying i know somebody in the uk who has got two of these and he's always said if he felt like it was going to a proper home somebody who might actually paint it rather than recast it and try and sell it for four uh sell the recast for 400 quid um he would be happy to leave uh, to let it go for a, a a pretty reasonable price um so i felt a bit awkward kind of dropping this guy a message out of the blue but um uh, the other guy said just name drop me in it and uh say i i pointed you in his direction so i dropped him a message and had a good chat with him about all sorts of stuff kind of impressed upon him that i was a painter and, and, and a collector not a, uh not a <laughs> not a shyster uh and he uh um agreed to sell it to me for a very reasonable price and it winged its way to my grubby mitts um last week uh so that was a, it's a nice one to round out the year with mm -hmm. happy happy times yeah, i saw a picture of it as you as you sort of spread it around it's a lot of metal it is it looks like it's going to be an awkward bastard to put together i think the bottom part once it's together will be fine it's the the two uh two uh siege tower layers that might be a bit more fiddly to kind of get in uh but i mean I, i'm no stranger to building some of the bigger models in metal so um it's all going to be good fun yeah putting that one together at the start of next year you've got the skills mate so yeah you know what to do yeah i'm looking forward to painting it I'm looking forward to painting it. That's uh, it's going to be high on my list of, of things to do once I've got a, a fully functional um, thousand point army painted for the Chaos Dwarves. I'll definitely be moving on to the sort of more frivolous stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, to get in. Cool. Um, so that that kind of brings us, I guess, to what we're looking forward to for next year. Yeah. It's. Do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to? Yeah, yeah. I'd like. I mean, for me, like the big, the the big things are um, getting out to more tournaments. Mm -hmm. I, I will be able to do that next year. Uh, maybe the same ones that uh, that I went to outside of Scotland this year. I'll repeat, like UKTC and NAF Championships. But because of work and uh, per other personal commitments. Um, I was unable to get to most of the Scottish tournaments this year, which I, I really hated because I've always been uh, like a, a strong supporter of, of other TOs tournaments. So I felt pretty shit not getting to most of the guys that I uh, respect um, tournaments in the in the country. So getting out to that and most of them, that, that's a, something I'm looking forward to next year. Um, I'm... As I touched upon, I'm going to be starting my Old Hammer project uh, next year. So the aim for me with that is to get 1,000 points of playable uh, Chaos Dwarves initially um, on the table so I, uh, myself, Gordon, and Ross can have a good old 4th uh, edition Warhammer Fantasy Battle game 
with 100% painted miniatures. Yep. Um, so that that's a that's a that's one for me for next year. I think the biggest one for me is a career change. Mm-hmm. So um, after ten years working in oil and gas up here, I've had enough. <laughs> And I, I just, I just don't, I just don't want to do it anymore. Uh, so I've kind of, uh, well, certainly not at the moment. I've kind of made the leap to move into full time commission painting, and uh, I also have the the income from three D printing as well. So it's going to be a bit scary to start with. Yep. Uh, but I am actually looking forward to it quite a bit. Yep. Well, I'll be here to support you and cheer you on as well our listeners and maybe some of them will put some business your way which I think would only be nice right yeah over. absolutely I'm, uh, I'm a bit uh, crap at self promotion uh, because I generally don't like kind of drowning uh, people out uh, with that but um, I think I'm at a point now where I actually have to put a bit, a bit of effort in so yeah, if anybody is interested in getting stuff commissioned painted, then drop me a, a message for sure. Yep. And the print services uh, are are there as well. And, and being a commissioned painter and, and having access to a 3D print uh, service, uh, I do the end-to-end of I will print your miniatures and I will paint them. So can do, can do from start to finish. And- and you've be. got an online store already set up. Yes, called called Granite Miniatures. I know, and it's funny because, like, I haven't really done any promotion on that at all uh, because I didn't want to be overwhelmed with uh, stuff while I'm still working full time. Um, but uh, that has picked up quite a, a reasonable amount uh, in the short time it's been online, mm-hmm. and I've, I have actually seen some of the stuff I've sold two people on uh blood Bowl community and stuff like that as well excellent uh so that that's that's nice uh seeing people painting stuff that i've uh i've printed out for them um but yeah i just try try can, can i grow uh so granite miniatures is the 3d uh printing and fill paint stuff is the the commission painting uh folk will be able to find me on instagram for the fill paint stuff stuff uh i am on twitter and facebook as well granite miniatures i've just got the storefront which is an etsy but um yeah just drop me a message if you need anything perfect and shameless self-promotion out of the way it's not self-promotion mate you're we know it all works hand in hand with um with the podcast and and what we do we're you know we're giving out advice and selling our services Uh, because yeah, and I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess another thing on that as well is, uh, I mean, we'll get to it after you've uh, uh, talked about what you're looking forward to. But w- what we're going to do with this podcast and, and going forward over the next couple of years as mm-hmm. well. Um, so yeah, crack on with what you're uh, looking forward to in the, in the next uh, Mate, year. Next year, twenty twenty three has got all the potential to be the busiest. Wargaming year of my life. Should I pursue it all? Um, look, in no particular order. 
the the Megatron Cup weekend in August that I'm running is 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 forging along at fucking full pelt. You know, this is something like I ran the Megatron three thousand bolt action event this year. And my vision was always to have it as a two-day event, one for bolt action, one for blood bowl, and to combine them, if players play in both, to combine it, those guys can win the Megatron Cup. <laughs> you know, the rookie coaches and the listeners have heard me talk about it, the silly names and all the rest of it. But at the moment, as it stands, uh, for bolt action, I've sold 33 tickets. Uh, and Blood Bowl, I think, is about 10 tickets, but Blood Bowl only went on sale a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, there's a lot of the guys that are coming to the Bolt Action event, they do intend on going to Blood Bowl. Uh, they just have to sort of get around to, you know, to buying the ticket sort of thing. But uh, I'm really hopeful that my... The, the targets I've got for the number of tickets and players I want on each day is going to be met. I'm aiming for 40, 40 bolt action players on the Saturday and then 50 Blood Bowl players on the Sunday, I hope. Uh, I'll see if we can squeeze a few more Blood Bowlers yeah. in. But the thing that the... The thing that the Blood Bowl event and the Scottish players will enjoy is that there are a lot of bolt action players that are crossing over into Blood Bowl, and there's a few Blood Bowlers that are crossing over into bolt action, which is which is always going to be entertaining, um, just so that they can they can do this entire weekend. So I really hope I can deliver the vision I've got for myself for this weekend. Uh, that's in August the 12th and 13th in Stirling at Common Ground Games. Um, you know, for anybody that's interested, you can search on Facebook. The event pages are there. It's the the Megatron three thousand is the bolt action event, and the uh, the Megatron Mega Bowl is the Blood Bowl event. <laughs> I love saying Megatron. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a child! Um, so that's that's one of the sort of key things I'm looking forward to doing next year. It's going to be a lot of work. It's already a lot of work. Um, but getting the sponsors together, the trophies together, keeping my player base, you know, informed, answering the questions that they've got. Uh, you know, that's that is is it's a lot of work, but I I enjoyed it last year. I'll and I'll enjoy it again for next year. Uh, there are ten. Scottish bolt action events planned for 2023, one a month, uh, excluding January and December, <sighs> which is just unbelievable. Uh, everywhere from Ireland to Aberdeen to Dunfermline to Stirling. Um, so I'm going to try and attend as many of those as I possibly can in an effort to defend my championship and try and win it for a third year. Uh, I think this year will be. Well, it, it will be the toughest challenge yet. Um, time will tell. I have got two full uh, action tournaments, uh, long weekends away, planned or in the in the process of planning. Um, is to the World Open War 
team event in Southend in England in October next year. Uh, I I am going to get to captain Scotland again, and that'll be that'll be the last time I'll captain Scotland. So hopefully myself and the boys can put in a good result and a good showing and and bring home some sort of silverware. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that event. Uh, an event has just come on the calendar that I have managed to sort of gather up group of guys to go to is there's going to be a bolt action grand tournament in Birmingham in the first weekend of June and it's going to be held alongside the the UK Games Expo Uh, and I've never been to that expo before so (coughs) excuse me so it's a good excuse to go to the expo and play at the GT um so that, that plan is forming now, but that that's definitely going to be a gore for me. I'll, I'll drive down by myself if I have to. Um, just the idea of that is that really excites me. Uh, both of those are two-day events. Um, oh, God. What else? I know the army that I want to do for next year. And this is this is a really good thing. It's not a competitive army. Because I've I've got competitive armies, so you know, for going to all the Scottish events, for you know, defending my Scottish title, um, I shouldn't really need to paint anything. I've got it all. I just have to sort of chop it, change it. It would depend on the different event um, requirements. But the new army I am going to paint it's from a campaign book, which is called Gigant. And this is the uh, it was it's it's the second book in a series of what if Germany had invaded the United Kingdom at the end of nineteen forty. So that okay. seemingly the plans were already or no the plans were already already written up and it was going to be called Operation Sea Lion. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, if Nazi Germany decided to invade the UK, or maybe 1941, whenever, you know, fuck it, I don't care. Um, but the second book is called Campaign Gigant, and Gigant is the name of the, oh, one of the big sort of, um, what was it, the Messerschmitt 363 transport plane? And so it's the story of the Germans opening up a second front of the invasion of the UK by air, in the sort of, um, Oh, Middle England, you know, around Nottingham or something. And they fly in all the troops and they parachute in all the troops uh, to support that. So I have found a, a theatre selector in there and I'm built, I, I've, I've already got the parts. I'm going to build an army from that uh, to represent this this German invasion of England. Um and, it, and it's not competitive at all. And it's there's a few silly units that, are, <coughs> excuse me, that are in it. But the most important thing is that it's something that's that's really grasped my um, grasped my attention, and and my sort of excitement and hype for the hobby. You know, I'm not just I'm not just building an army to sort of go to a tournament to win. It's something that's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a passion project, and. <laughs> The best bit is it's got tanks that can fly in it. <laughs> it's so fucking good. And 
the Germans did it on paper. They never actually used them. But the Soviets seemingly did do it. Uh, and they're only light tanks. The Panzer One, the first generation of Panzer tank. I think they, they said it weighed like six or seven tons. Um, but the idea was that they were going to build this aeroframe around it and drag it along, drag right. it along behind as a glider behind a, a, a powered um, aircraft, and then deploy them as gliders so that they could land get out of their sort of glider shell and then that's it, your tank's on the ground and it can start shooting and fighting. <coughs> Excuse me. So I've got two of these flying Panzer ones in the army and the rules for them are really cool. Um, just how they arrive on the battlefield, where they can arrive and they, you know, start fighting straight away. And all the other options for the, the army are rubbish, but just like the idea that I, I can model, I can model this, and it's pretty cool. So, I have a passion project, yeah. and that's that's so, on you go. Sorry, sounds interesting. At least anyway, <laughs> sounds interesting. Yep. At least anyway, I got no idea how the physics of that work in terms of getting out of the bloody uh, airframe uh, under fire. Uh, more than likely, uh, when 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 you yeah. when you see me build it, you look at it and think, "Yep, that's exactly how they did it." Because the theory was that, right, um, you know, there were there were armored vehicles that were deployed via glider in World War Two. The issue was that you know the crew weren't in them. You know, the crew had to get to them and get yes. it all fired up yeah. and get it started. Whereas with these flying tanks, the crew were in them all the time. So as soon as they touched down, it was yep. Fucking start firing! Let's go! Let's go to war, sort of thing. Uh, and that that all that's all yeah. reflected in, in the rules. So I have only seen one hobby example of a flying Panzer one. They're called a Flug Panzer. <laughs> Brilliant! I've only seen one example of it ever being built as a hobby, and I've been in contact with the guy that did it to find out how he did it, why he did it. Is there anything he would do differently? Uh, you know, surprise, surprise, there's a lot he would do differently had he, had he to do it again. Um, so it's, I'm looking forward to that, to that hobby project. Yeah, that, that, sounds, that sounds interesting to see. I am looking forward to seeing what you come up to with that one. Yep. It's like I say, I, I can't get my head around it. I'm familiar with uh, with them um, parachuting things like jeeps and shit like that, other kind of light, uh, lighter kind of stuff out of uh, out of larger um, aircraft and stuff like yep. that. Uh, but I, I'm looking. I'm currently looking at winged tanks. Bear uh, with me <laughs> on the internet. I will send you. I have sent you some of the images that I have got of it. So we can see your live reaction. I've sent them by it. Yes, yes, that is that is what I'm looking at right now, and I still, I, I mean, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can kind of almost get that, uh, but I, I'd be interested to see how it, how it actually was designed to work. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna. It does look. I'm cool, gonna build though. that. But if you saw that, it, if you saw that coming out of the sky at you, you'd be like. What the fuck? Yep. What the f- 
what, what the fuck <laughs> they've been smoking. But, Why? <laughs> but, yeah. You know, that's that's the bolt action stuff that I'm really excited about. And yeah, that's really cool. I know that at some point as well, um, you know, we can laugh and joke about it and take the piss out of me, but that three D printer that's sitting on my desk will get out of that box and start whirring away <laughs> and making me some stuff. And you know, truly, I would really like, I would really like by the end of next year to have had a couple of games of uh, a song of ice and fire. Just, you know, I need to start stretching myself out of um, out of bolt action. That's a bit silly because I really enjoy the game, but you know, I need I need something else. I've been playing bolt action since two thousand and thirteen, two thousand fourteen. And at some point, the magic's going to fade for me. Uh, no, it'll just become another sort of casual game. You know, I look at my, I look at the shelf of all the painted miniatures I've got, and the, you know, the trophies and all that sort of stuff. So, diversify, mate. Got to diversify. Yeah. Aye, that's 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 why I play, um, like so your Age of Sigmar's and stuff like that. It's just, uh, I mean, if I suddenly decide I didn't want to play Blood Bowl, I'd at least have something else to pick up casual games with, uh, like Ross and Gordon and that with up yep. here, um, and still keep that social interaction uh, with people I enjoy spending time with. Um, so yeah, it's good to have a couple of things. Uh, that you can fall back yep. on new communities as well. Yeah, get, get involved yeah, in I, a, a, new, a newer, newer community. Not that the bull action players are bad, but yeah, you know, there's other good guys out there, and nice to meet them. Aye, totally. Okay, well, that, that's us pretty much at the back end of of the episode, isn't it? Um, I guess the only other thing kind of worth discussing is, um, or kind of at least highlighting is, uh, I mean, some of the things that we might might do over the next year. Um, I mean, we've talked about it before, but uh, I mean, people seem to be under this, the mistaken impression, because we talk about it quite regularly, that uh, we are a Blood Bowl podcast. Um, and while that, to a degree that is true, um, it's not strictly speaking true because obviously you talk about bolt action quite mm -hmm. a bit um and i talk about other game systems as well so i think people will probably see a bit more of that out of us over the next year um and certainly when we've discussed it with people um the fact that we we chat about these things it, it is kind of brought up as a joke occasionally about how much you waffle on about bolt action but <laughs> um I think people. I think for the most part, uh, most of our listeners uh, are happy to listen to the hobby side of things as opposed to just Blood Bowl. Um, and as time progresses, um, we will run out of Blood Bowl stuff uh, to feature. Uh, there are only a handful of teams left that we haven't gone through um, in depth. Um, so yeah, we we will start talking about other stuff too. 
Um, but we're also, I mean, certainly we've chatted about this before, um, but we've chatted with it. I've chatted about it with other people. Um, the more visual aspect of it as well. Um, some of the stuff we want to talk about, like maybe tactics on things, you just can't do on a podcast because you kind of want to be able to show people what you mean. Um, so there might be a bit of a move to having some video content as well um, in the next yep. year. We'll see how that goes. And that won't just be limited to uh, Blood Bowl either. Um, it could be um, bolt action related. It could be just general hobby related stuff. Um, so there, there are uh, there are things that we can tie in with that as well. So yeah, it could be quite a, a a good year for expanding the two guys one dice cup uh, repertoire as well. Well, that's it. I mean, all the you know from what we hear from our some of our listeners and you know just some of the people that support us. Blood Bowl players don't always just play Blood Bowl. You know, they want to hear about other aspects of of you know the other hobbies that they have, and uh, as you said, you know we. You know, bubble content has only got so far it can run, and we also want to diversify ourselves and what we talk about. You know, so the rookie coaches, at some point, you know, we'll have to let them grow up, or you know, take you back to episode one and start again. <laughs> you can listen again. <coughs> well, that's the thing, though. I mean, unless there is a wide change in the um, the rules, like, and I mean, like a a wholly substantive kind of change in the rules. Even a new edition isn't going to warrant us going back through in detail exactly what we've done in retreading. Yep. You know, we might do updates on teams from time to time. And indeed, there's some teams from Blood Bowl 2016 from right back when we started uh, that we will do an update on based on the Blood Bowl 2020 changes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to hit a point where. Um, in order to keep providing content, uh, there will be a shift in what we do, and that's not to say that Blood Bowl wouldn't remain a big, big part of what we do because it's a, a a game system that both of us are interested in and have played a lot of, uh, and it's the one thing that kind of anchors the the two of us. Uh, and in terms of commonality and what we and do, we're both yeah, tournament organisers for the game system, so. Um, there's always there's always yes. going to be some chat about it, but what I would hope our listeners can do is join us on uh, new adventures. You know, when we both uh, yeah, you know, pick other games to play, and you know, learn about them and share our, our thoughts about them. And, and one of those hopes is uh, the old world. I really hope that can deliver yeah, deliver absolutely. on that passion. And I mentioned A Song of Ice and Fire. I really hope to be able to share my journey in that game system with, with the listeners if they choose to listen. Um, you know, if not, we might actually get new new listeners from, from other, other areas of the hobby. So, heaven forbid. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's all about kind of um, keeping relevant and, and keeping this going 
so it's enjoyable for us too. You know, we're two guys talking about uh, throwing dice, and we will talk about the games that we're enjoying playing as well. And I think, like you said there, that Warhammer the Old World, there is a a commonality in our excitement mm-hmm. uh, for that. You know, there will be chat about that as soon as we start getting more kind of substantive kind of and substantial information around it you know it's uh all we've seen are renders of things so far and, and a few maps said that there's going to be bretonians and the implication that uh chaos dwarves might be back and um all that sort of stuff you know so yeah i think uh i think um it'll be something that we'll probably both enjoy talking about as well that'll give us a another common piece to to chat about uh, as a as the podcast so yeah exciting times ahead um if anybody has got anything that they they think we should talk about as well obviously feel free yeah i mean you know if uh, if, if people like hearing the way we present our opinions and thoughts and you know ideas then we will happily explore different topics that, that you guys find interesting um I would remind our listeners, though, please, Lord, the dirty underwear thing is still available. If you want a pair of soiled underwear for either myself <laughs> or from Phil, and this is mostly targeted at our Japanese audience that I hope is still growing, um, that that is available. And, you know, if you want special requests, we're, we can wear them for two, three, five, ten days at a time uh, for an additional fee. Um you know, postage is expensive these days, but they are available. Please buy them. I mean, I mean, my, mine will be expensive uh, just purely because I only have like eight pairs of pants. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> if I take if I take the backup pair out of rotation uh, to supply somebody in foreign climes uh, with my. Uh, uh, pre-worn undercrackers i am gonna have to replace that motherfucker so you know like it's got to be worthwhile for me too uh, so just just fyi it will be a, a bit on the pricey side cool man well with that that <laughs> draws the year 2022 to a close congratulations rookie coaches and listeners for staying with us and we look forward to um doing it all again next year stay safe Yes. <laughs>